What's up, 930? How's it going? Ooh, we got a rowdy bunch in the front row. Hello, hello. We're rocking a lot of Niners gear in the front row and over here. Oh, goodness gracious. This is going to be fantastic. I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, man, I have good news for you today. That's the entire message. It's just, it's just a message of good news. Uh, I was very excited when I got asked, hey, are you available to preach during the Christmas series? Because like, I, I would, okay, confession time. I say, who doesn't love Christmas? You're out there. Um, people who don't love it, you exist. Uh, most of us, we live in the, in the middle, the kind of the moderate range of like, yeah, Christmas is great. I'm personally, I'm a quality over quantity kind of guy. So like Christmas does not start until after Thanksgiving. This is a non-negotiable. And then I want as much Christmas as possible until December 26th. And then it is done. And then we're moving on. Okay. Some of you love Christmas. You, okay, who here loves Christmas? Loves, like your family hates how much you love Christmas. Okay, great. So that's like this end of the spectrum, and then you have us, the moderates, and then you have, who hates Christmas? Just like, you got one guy who hates Jesus in the back. <laughs> one guy, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, you're just like, okay, can I ask a question? If you hate Christmas, do you work in retail? No, oh man, striking out. Um, I worked retail for one Christmas season and I was like, I get it. I get why people hate this holiday. Um, you know, you just have the same, like the same songs over and over again on the radio. I worked as a lifeguard one summer, not at Christmas. Um, that, that was in July, but it was the summer that Sean Kingston's Beautiful Girls came out and uh, you just heard that 19 times a day for two months straight. And so I get that you're, you're working retail, you're working Christmas holidays, and, and you just get Michael Buble all the time. And you're just like, when will that guy go back under his rock and, and never show his face again? Uh, but hey, I got good news. Christmas is next week. So if you hate it, it's almost over. Congratulations. Uh, and if you love it, Soak it up, man. Soak it up. I, I, that's my first piece of good news. Like, you have two more weeks, uh, one, if you're a purist, to enjoy Christmas. Now, uh, we've been in this series, Do You Hear What I Hear, talking about Christmas carols. And two weeks ago, in case you missed it, Zach, uh, his carol was Joy to the World. And we learned that Joy to the World was actually not originally a Christmas carol. It was a song about the second coming of Christ. That, like, hey, I have great news. He's coming back and taking us to heaven if you're a follower of Jesus. And then last week, Dan uh, went through the song Silent Night. And we really focused on this idea of peace and like biblical peace, peace that comes from the Lord. And Today, um, I told Dan, like, I would love to preach in this series, but I, I really, re I know what song I want, and it's the best, it's personal opinion, the best Christmas song, which is Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. <laughs> Can we, this is the best song for Christmas ever. And someone told me on Thursday night, they said, did you know that song is 30 years old? And I said, no way. Still a banger. Still slaps. <laughs> Uh, 30 years, and it's, it is killing it. Most things that like hit 30 years old are not good anymore, and I say that as someone who is in his 30s. Um, it's past, past its prime, but uh, our, our song, we're gonna get to it later. I have one, and it's not Mariah Carey, I promise, but I have good news. I have good news all day long. That's all I get to do today, share good news, and our, our big idea, as we would call it in, in children's ministry, the number one thing if you get nothing else out of today, it's this, that when you have good news, you share it. 
This is it. When you have good news you share, you could get up and walk out right now and someone would go, what church about? You could say, when you have good news you share it and you would get an A plus. This is it. But what I wanna do is, is ask a defining question and that question is, what is good news? When I say, when you have good news you share it, what am I talking about? And, and Dan would normally go, hey, I'm gonna put it on Facebook and give me your answers and he gets like 9,000 responses. When I do that, I get nothing. Um, <laughs> And so I decided to just go face to face and I asked people, hey, give me some examples of good news that you would share with other people. And these are, these are some of the things I got. Um, here's some good news. Hey, we bought a house. We bought a house. That's great news. I, I can't wait to post that picture on Facebook, share, tell everybody. Um, true story, five years ago when we bought our house, I was, it was Thursday night. I was back in the kids' wing and the, our real estate agent called me as I was about to go on stage and teach. And she goes, hey, I have, I have really good news. You're gonna get the house if you just up your bid by $50,000. <laughs> this is what she sincerely thought was good news for me, was you're just 50 grand away. And I was like, bye. And we didn't get that house, but we did get a different house and it was super, super exciting. Um, baby announcements, good news. Hey, we are having a baby. Now our baby announcement, we found out we were pregnant the same week that we signed for a house. And we went from being like, we have money to like, we'll never have money again. It was crazy. It was like, this is good and this is terrible. And, but when you're, what a, what a fun season, like waiting for a baby to come and then like having that baby, you're so, so excited. Um, you got a new job. That's one, hey, I, I changed industries or I changed you know, locations or I got a promotion. Like all those things can be so exciting. We paid off debt. Uh, whether, whether you paid it off yourself or you got like loan forgiveness, that is good news. A remission. Hey, I had a disease. I don't have the disease anymore. Hell, like that's amazing. That is good news. Sobriety. Hey, this is where my life was. One week, four weeks, six months, five years, whatever. Good news. These are good news. And, and I had more examples, but we still don't have time for all of them. But here's what we kind of narrowed it down to. We looked at all these examples. We said, hey, what do these all have in common? So here's gonna be our definition of good news. When you have good news, you share it. And good news changes your world and your life. Here's why I say that like this, because I bought a house and that was really good news. And none of you shared that on Facebook. None of you called your parents to be like, Trevor bought a house. You don't care. Okay, I had, guys, I have two kids. And guess what most of you did not do? Know that I had two kids. It's great news for me. It's a fact for you. It's, it's information. And the same thing for you. So it's not selfish when I go like, hey, that stuff for you, that's good news for you, it's not for me. It's just saying, it's just not for me. It's just, it just doesn't change my life. But it has a drastic impact on yours. So, so do we understand that when I say Good news, I'm talking about the kind of news that is life-changing for you. So that leads us into our story or our song, which is Go Tell It on the Mountain, which is one of the most straightforward songs and Christmas carols that there is. It says, go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is Lord. There it is. The verses go on, I'm not gonna sing it by the way, you're welcome. The verses go on to just tell the story of Luke 2, where the angels appeared to the shepherds. And so at the end of service, spoiler alert, we're gonna sing Go Tell It on the Mountain together. 
But what I wanna do is walk through the story from scripture and I wanna point some things out because there's, there's some history here that if you don't know it about what's going on biblically, it takes away from what this song is about. So um, Luke 2, we're gonna start in verse eight. It's gonna be on the screen behind me. You can follow along. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Now, the thing that we need to stop here and talk about is why this news was so good. This wasn't just like some good news. This was like the good news, okay? What's happening at this point is, is Luke 2 is at the start of the book of Luke. Technically, Luke 1 is the start of the book of Luke, but keep up. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the Gospels, that's the start of the New Testament. And this is it's gonna blow your minds. Hold on, hold on, hold on. There is also an Old Testament. I know, you're like, what? There's a New Testament and there's an Old Testament. But in between the Old and New Testament is a 400-year gap. So if you read your Bible from start to finish, you go Genesis to Malachi, and then you start in Matthew, you're missing 400 really important years of Jewish history. This would be like that 400 years. This would be like if I said, hey, I'm gonna give you a history on uh, black history in America. This is our lesson today. I know you're like, ooh, you're not qualified to do that. Um, but I'm from the same town as Rachel Doljal, so watch me. In the 1600s, the slave trade was rampant, led primarily by the Dutch, transporting slaves by kidnapping them, by tricking them, or just by promising, things, promising them things that were never gonna happen. From West Africa and the Caribbean to America to then work as slaves and be treated as less than human. Chapter two, we elected Barack Obama as the 44th president of the United States. And you go, excuse me, professor, you skipped some things. Yes, I skipped 400 years of information. When you read the Old Testament into the New Testament and you skip, you're missing some really important information, okay? So what's happening is the Jews are taken captive by the Babylonians. This is the book of Daniel where you see this happen. And, and the Jews are taken to Babylon and then the Persians come and overtake the Babylonians. And this is where the stories of the end of Daniel and Ezra and Nehemiah and Esther and the prophet Malachi, the end of the book, Second Chronicles, all of this is taking place as the Persians are now in control and they let the Jews go back to Jerusalem. But they're not free. They're still under Persian rule. And that's where the Old Testament ends. And in that time, the Jews were not following God. They, they picked up some habits from the Babylonians and the Persians and they said, hey, we're gonna do the things, uh, we're gonna worship some of these other gods and we're not gonna treat people, you know, our, our families the way that God has commanded us to do that. And God says, I'm gonna take a step back and I'm just gonna watch and see what happens. I'm gonna see how you handle this. And over the next 400 years, the Greeks come in and overtake the Persians and then the Romans come and overtake the Greeks. 
So by the time we get to the New Testament and you see like, oh, the Romans are in charge and that's why in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken. This is why they're in power, okay? So this would be like if you watch Star Wars episodes one, two, and three, skipped four, five, and six and went to seven, eight, and nine and you were like, who's Darth Vader? <laughs> like, there's, a, there's this key thing of like, who are the Romans? So now... An angel appears to a shepherd in a field and he says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. They haven't heard from God in 400 years. And this angel just shows up and he's like, ta-da, don't be afraid. Got you, baby. He appeared to a teenage girl and was like, you're gonna have a baby. What? Shows up to her fiance, don't divorce her and to a shepherd, and he says, I have good news for the first time in 400 years of great joy for all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger, and suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph and there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, and it was just as the angel had told them. The angels deliver a message to the shepherds, and they say, this is good news, and the, the shepherds go, and they, they confirm the message. And then they just go start telling people. And it's not, that girl had a baby, because that's really good news for that girl. They said, like, but that baby we learned about that baby from an angel from God. This is big news. This is huge. This isn't like, this is everything. This is absolutely everything. Now, what I find fascinating about how this song, Go Tell on the Mountain, fits in and how this was written uh, was that this song was written in the 1800s by slaves. This song was written by people who woke up one day and said, we're gonna go have another bad day where we don't get any control over our lives. We're treated as less than human. We're gonna go work for somebody else in horrible conditions. This could be the day that I'm beaten. This could be the day that I'm sold and separated from my family. And as they're out working in the field, they said, but what hope do we have? And they would write songs about God, about Jesus. And one of those songs said, go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere, go tell on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. And then at some point, a slave was sold and traded and went to another plantation and was out working one day and was singing this song and the other slaves went, what song is that? And he goes, ah, we wrote it at the last place. And they started singing that song and they started singing and it spread and it spread and it spread until the 1900s when it was first actually recorded by a choir. But this is a song based exclusively in the good news, written by people living a life of no good news. 
is that these were people in slavery and they, they, <laughs> they were able to write a song about the good news of Jesus. They focused on good news in spite of a bad situation where we tend to focus on a bad situation in spite of good news. They were able to focus on good news in spite of their bad situation and we tend to focus on a bad situation in spite of good news. Um, one of the things that happened during COVID was that our routine be became watching the news every morning. Like, we were never news watchers. Um, my favorite thing about the news is every morning they go, good morning, and then they just give you a list of reasons why it's not. <laughs> this is, good morning, more bombs went off. Cool, love it. Good morning, there's another war somewhere else. Awesome, love it. Good news, more people died. What is, what is happening? As a culture, as a society, we really love to focus on the bad stuff and forget about the good news. So what I wanna do is take some time and remind you today why Jesus is the good news. Okay, Jesus is the good news because he's living proof that God loves us. That, that way over here with Adam and Eve at the beginning of time, they sinned. God had this idea that, hey, people are gonna live with me in perfect harmony, it's gonna be amazing. And Adam and Eve sinned, and from that point on, he said, there has to be a plan for us to be brought back together. And that plan was Jesus. And it wasn't until this story that Jesus comes to earth, lives life, is a perfect man, son of God, until the Easter story where he's crucifi crucified and, and raised from the dead for our sins. Jesus is proof, living proof, that God loves us. Jesus is the good news uh, because he's not just for the rich and powerful, but also for the poor and the oppressed. I love this part of the story. This part of the story is historical, not biblical. Does this make sense? So I'm not gonna tell you lies, but if you, I didn't know this in the Bible. It's not, okay? The angels came to the shepherds. Why shepherds? Because shepherds, were ceremonially unclean and could not go to the temple without going through a ritual washing. So if God sends a message to the priests at the temple and he says, hey, the Messiah is born, the Savior, the Lord is born in Bethlehem, share that news. The shepherds are the last ones to find out because they're not even allowed to go into the temple. So instead, he bypasses all of it and goes straight to the shepherds. The other piece is this. Bethlehem is right outside of Jerusalem. And what you would do is you would go to Jerusalem to go to the temple and sacrifice a lamb to pay for your sins. This is where the sacrifices came from. And God sends a message to the shepherds and he says, hey, out of Bethlehem tonight comes one final sacrifice. And you're the first ones to know. He went to people who were outcast, to people who were excluded, and he said, this is for you, and you're the one that needs to share it. Jesus is the good news because he offers hope for the future, even when the present is difficult. Something that I have noticed is the further removed you get from good news, the more you tend to take it for granted. And that, that goes spiritually, and that just goes in general. I don't wake up and think about how lucky I am that we got the house that we got five years ago. I go, this is my house, and I need to do projects because it's falling apart. <laughs> These 
slaves that wrote this song could have woken up and just been like, we are gonna just trudge through this until the day we die, or we can look forward to something better. Jesus offers hope for the future, even when the present is difficult. So now I want you to do something with me. We're gonna try something here. Um, I want you to, to remember in your brain what, what made the good news of Jesus life-changing and world-changing for you? What was the moment or what was the, the season or the event where you went, I need to change something, he can change it, I'm gonna follow him. For me, I was, okay, this is a Trevor history lesson. I'm what I like to refer to as a Buick, which stands for a brought up in church kid. I was raised by a mom who worked for a church and a dad who was an elder at that church. That church had a private Christian school that I went to. We had services on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and small groups during the week. I was churched. Like I, I knew my stuff. So in the eighth, or sorry, not eighth grade, I was eight years old. Um, towards the end of my third grade year, I went, hey, you know what I'm supposed to do? I'm supposed to get baptized. This is what you do. So I made a decision to get baptized. I said, I've, I've sinned, I've done stuff wrong. But what I didn't understand at the time was like, oh, there's a life change aspect. See, here's the thing, I was eight years old, like how much bad stuff had I really done? I'd like I told someone one time, I was like, you're stupid. And I was like, oh my gosh, so terrible, how dare I? And I didn't have a full understanding of like what Jesus did for me. But I got baptized and I grew up a really good kid. Like my parents, honestly, they did a great job raising me. I was, I was like kind to people and I was respectful and like, only cussed like a little bit, and a, a, a true story, this is a true, this is a true example of like how good of a kid I was, that in high school, I went to prom, and my prom date got pregnant on prom night, and no one even questioned that it might be my kid. <laughs> they were just like, no way, it's Trevor's. Now this is important detail, they were correct, wasn't mine, <laughs> and in case, in case you're like, how much riz did you have in high school? Not a lot. But what you need to know is I was a good kid. And then I went to college, and I had a football scholarship, and I went to college to be a chiropractor. This was the original plan. Now, again, spoiler alert, that didn't happen. Uh, in case you're like, is that your day job? No, 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 no. I go to college. I, I played tight end, in case you're new to football, Taylor Swift fans, that's the Travis Kelsey position. That's, that's what I'm doing. And then God gives me a message that was like a two by four across the side of the head. And I was like, this is not where you're supposed to be. And I was like, yeah, but this is where I wanna be. And he was like, I don't care. This is not where you're supposed to be. And I transfer schools. And the school that I transfer to does not have anything in the way of chiropractic education. And it has no football team. And those were really the only two things I had going for me. <laughs> so I get to this new school and I am bitter, man. Like I am angry. I do not wanna be there. And I'm just like, I'm just mad. Because I'm, I'm, I'm so aware, like, this is what God wants me to do, and I'm ticked about it. So I have a friend on my dorm floor who's like, hey, man, you have a lot of uh, pent-up aggression. Uh, how about you come and play soccer? We, have, we need a goalkeeper. You're six foot four. You can catch. 
give it a shot. And I've never, never played soccer before in my life. So I go and try out for goalkeeper. Turns out I'm good at soccer if you let me use my hands, which is not what you're supposed to do in soccer, but there's one position where I thrive. I make the team. My soccer coach, Damien, goes, hey, where are you going to church? I said, I'm not going to church anywhere right now. And he goes, well, you should come with me. And again, I'm not, you know, I'm familiar with church. So I go with him and I go for a few weeks, go for you know, a couple months even. And this church, Carterville Christian Church in Carterville, Missouri, right outside of Joplin, has a baptism Sunday. And I don't know if you remember what Easter was like here where we had 156 baptisms in one weekend and it was just mind blowing. But this was kind of one of those things where there were 40 people that got baptized this weekend. And I, I remember I was in the back of the auditorium and the, the band was on stage playing as people were getting baptized. And like the first two or three, you're like, yeah, woo. Next person gets baptized. And like at a certain point, you're like, what is going on? And the band's playing. And they're like, oh, we're, we thought we'd be done. Another, do, do it again. Just keep, keep going. And you're like, they're like doing eight verses of David Crowder's How He Loves, just like going for it. It was in that moment where I watched person after person after person after person submit their life to Jesus where I went, I've never done that. I, I have known about God my entire life. I have done the right thing my entire life, but like I am not following God. And like just full disclosure, my, my response in that moment, my decision to follow Jesus went something like this. Fine. this is what you want, I'll go with it. And, and from there, there was a process where God changed my heart. And I ended up loving where I was at. And I started volunteering at Carterville Christian Church in their children's ministry. And like, that's where I decided this is what I wanna do because I made a decision to follow Jesus when I was eight years old. I didn't know what decision I was making. And I said, I do not want your kids to be 19, 20 years old and go, I never actually knew what I was doing back then. I want them to know what it means to follow God for the rest of their lives. This is why I do what I do. What was that moment for you that you went, oh, I need to make this decision? Now, who do you know that deserves that same experience? Who do you know that is, is not being who God has called them to be? You have good news and we need to share it. Last week was Jingle Jam. It's a, it's a Christmas party that we do for your kids. The sole reason we do it is that your kids can invite their friends to come to church because if you, if you go to your friends and you say, do you wanna come to church with me? They might say no and their parents might go like, nah, we're not church people. But if you say, hey, do you wanna come to a Christmas party? The likelihood that the friend says yes increases dramatically. Next weekend, we are gonna have eight Christmas services over four days. And if you invite someone to come with you today to church, they'll go, I'm not a church person. But if you say, hey, do you wanna come to a Christmas service, candle lighting, the likelihood that they say yes increases dramatically. And this is not about, hey, look around, see the empty seats, let's see if we can fill them. This is about like, my life was changed by Jesus and I want someone else to get that same experience. So what we're gonna do is something really interesting. Uh, I want everybody right now, pull out your phones. Say it again, pull out your phones. Uh, up here on the screen or right on the QR code in front of you on the chair, so if you're in the front row, you're gonna have to use the screens. Uh, if you scan that, open up your camera, scan it, click the button, 
there's gonna be a little tab that says invite. And when you click that word invite, it's gonna give you text that you can copy and paste into a social media post or into a text message. There are two options. And it literally says something as simple as, hey, I'm gonna be going to a Valley Real Life Christmas service. There are eight of them over four days. I would love it if you came with me. And you can customize that however you want. But I'm gonna give you 90 seconds right now to just go and share that on Facebook, share that on Instagram. Uh, you can go text it, go through your contacts, and to give you tons of time. If you get done before the 90 seconds is up, that's great. Pray for the person or the people that you're inviting that are gonna see that. The person who needs the good news of Jesus that you are gonna share with next weekend. You have 90 seconds, go. Twenty seconds left. Three, two, one. Time is up. Now that link is gonna—it's gonna stay live. So don't feel like you know if you didn't do it right now. First of all, shame on you. And second of all, I'm just kidding. Second of all, it will stay there and you can do that. Um, I, I wanna end this service on a super high note because this is good news and we get to share it and that is, like, it is good news that we have good news to share. So what I wanna do is, is talk about a verse that I love. It's Matthew 28, 19 and 20. It's the Great Commission. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. What I love about this is that when I was in, when I was in college at that school I didn't wanna go to, um, I learned this, that the word go feels like a command. Go, go to Africa and do this. It's actually translated as you're going, in your life, as you go about your day, as you go about your week, as you go to the bus stop, as you go to work, as you go to the gym, make disciples. So what I want you to think about as we're leading up to Christmas and the opportunity to share the good news with someone, to, to be thinking creatively, where are the other places that I go? And I got to, she was here last service, she's not here this time, but I got to brag on my wife that for nine years, once a month, my wife and a group of friends go to a strip club. And they go to the club where they've made friends with the bouncer, with the manager, and with the strippers. And they take them dinner, 
or they bring them Red Bulls. And this last Thursday night, just a couple days ago, they, they brought 100 Christmas presents. They said, we don't know how many girls work there. We wanna make sure everyone gets a Christmas present. And so they, they brought 100 Christmas presents. And two girls were, were in the dressing room and they asked one of the women there with my wife, they go, okay, okay I gotta know, why do you do this? For nine years, like, why do you do this? And, and she got to just go, because God loves you. And you don't work in an industry where people value you as a person, they value you as an object. And that is not the way that God feels about you at all. And I don't, I don't know who's gonna tell you that if I don't tell you that. So we come every single week and we, or every single month, we bring you snacks and we bring you dinner and we bring you coffee cards. Like they strategically bring coffee cards to a coffee shop where they know someone that works there so those girls can like make connections that will, that will point them towards Jesus. They do all of this and they just go, because we have good news and we have someone who's not gonna get it if we don't share it with them. And so what I want you to continue to do is just this week, be thinking about it, be praying about it. Who can I share that good news with? Where, where can, what is my mountain? I can go and tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere, that Jesus Christ is born. So would you pray with me? And we're gonna, we're gonna wrap this up. Dear God, we just come before you right now and just thank you for the good news of Jesus, that this is a good news of great joy for all people, not just for me, not just for my family, but for everyone, that, that you sent your son to be, to be the perfect lamb, to be the perfect sacrifice for us, that, that this was more than just a baby being born, this was you re-entering the conversation so that we could have eternal salvation with you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. My favorite part of this is that uh, your job is so easy. You share. You don't have to change a single person. Zach noticed that I was angry and bitter and he lived down the floor for me. He goes, hey, you, you need an outlet. You should come to soccer practice. And I went to soccer practice. That's where I met Damien. Da Damien became one of my favorite people. Damien performed my wedding four years later. Damien said, hey, you should come to church with me. Damien invited me to have Easter dinner at his house. Damien's wife, Stacy, was the children's director that I started volunteering in children's ministry with. But they didn't change my life. They, they helped me, but Jesus changed me. Someone invited you to come to church at some point, and they didn't change you. They helped. They showed you a way but Jesus changed you. And you're gonna do that same thing for somebody else. You go, I have good news and I need to share it. But it's not up to you to change them. It's up to you to share the good news. So we are gonna celebrate the good news. I want you to stand up on your feet. Our last song is, it's energy, it's fun, it is celebration. So man, would you just join me in singing this song? Come on, can we put our hands together?
Let's have a seat. Let's celebrate some baptisms.